And here comes a weekend that's going to be chock full of precipitation and fun for just about everybody. And uh, a lot of people were going to try traveling this weekend. I'm not sure that that's going to work out for everybody. We need to keep a very close eye on things. Keep a close eye on the schedules for anything that you needed to attend this weekend because we are probably going to see some rapidly changing situations as we go through this weekend. Let's move on over to uh, quickly to uh, Susan, who are, I guess I need to play Where's Susan today, uh, Miss Littlefield. Where are we? I am still in Kearney at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic. We just finished up with the three cattle shows of the day, so things are kind of quiet for a little bit before sales uh, pick up over the uh, noon hour today. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And uh, what are we seeing today at the Cattlemen's Classic? Well, lots of varieties. We just finished with the keys. We had the main end juice earlier today. So some beautiful livestock once again. And the cool thing is they've got a scholarship program that's available. So if you're a junior showman wanting to purchase some cattle, you have the opportunity to um, re-enter the cattle that you may have purchased the heifers um, from the last couple of days and show them this weekend and earn some nice scholarship money. So right. does it manage managers senior in your high school or not? So. Well, very nice. Big, big show and uh, big, big doing. So let's find out what the ag team is working up for us information-wise. Well, you were just talking weather and coming up at 1219. It's a Friday, which means Al Dutcher joins us to talk about weather happening into this next week, which will make things interesting at least for today into tomorrow. Coming up at 1245, guess what? We're talking weather, but not weather here. We'll talk more with Don Rose of U.S. Commodities about the weather in South America, the dry concerns, the wet concerns it had in Brazil. So she had a chance to see all of that firsthand. And then we're going to learn more at 117 about BRAG. It's a really cool program. It's almost like a, a junior lead program, per se, but it's um, for kids in Buffalo County as they learn more about agriculture. So that's right. some of the happenings coming from the farm team. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it, and we'll check in again at Calumans Classic. Thanks very much. Jason Jorgensen, we're going to maybe send some people to state here tonight, huh? We could. District finals cross state if, if those games get played. Yeah. Some of those have been changed a little bit, but some girls' district final basketball action across the state. We'll talk a little about that. Also, speaking of women's basketball, the Nebraska women were able to pull one off last night. It, it wasn't pretty. They didn't shoot the ball well, but they found a way to notch their 20th victory of the season with a victory over Penn State. Uh, freshman post Kate Kane had a night to remember. She had 20 rebounds last night. That's, Whoa! That's, that's getting after it. <laughs> that is good. She kind of controlled the uh, lane for the Huskers. Also, we'll talk about the Husker baseball team. Things did not go well yesterday against second-ranked Oregon State. Tonight, the Huskers get a chance against Utah. Then tomorrow, they will play Oregon State again. And UNK and Kearney will host the Nebraska and SAA Duels Wrestling Tournament tomorrow. That will affect a number of teams from across the uh, state in classes A, B, C, and D. All right. Very good. And Bob Brogan on business. Technology companies are helping to push the stocks higher as investors are looking through the latest batch of company earnings and deal news. Meanwhile, the Fed, Federal Reserve, expects the economic gains that we're experiencing to prompt some gradual rate hikes. And uh, the Trump administration is uh, hitting more than 50 vessel shipping companies and trade businesses with sanctions in the bid to turn up the pressure on North Korea. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the stories we're watching. Thank you, Bob. That plus weather coming your way on midday. Back on Halloween, we had our first snow. And Barb in the office, she said, you know what, that means 31 snows this year. 
And she said the other day that we were up to like number 25 or number 26. So Wow, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, here is your Ag Weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Yeah, more wintry weather on the way right now. It's nice and quiet. Most of our temperatures in the low and mid-20s. We do have some low 30s over northeast Colorado and northwest Kansas. Winter weather advisory, though, kicking in tonight through tomorrow afternoon for West Central to East Nebraska, also into Northwest and North Central Kansas. This advisory expected to start in West Central Nebraska and Northwest Kansas this evening, then after midnight across the Central and East, a mixed bag of snow and some freezing rain and drizzle expected, mostly some snow, accumulations of snow in most areas, about two to five inches. We could see maybe some localized amounts over West Central and North Central Nebraska near seven inches. Plan on some slippery roads. Luckily, with this system, the wind will be fairly light out of the north and not too much of an issue. Today, of course, milder with that sunshine and light winds as some high pressure drifts off towards the east. Tonight, we're going to see this quick-moving area of low pressure swing onto the plains. Snow and some freezing drizzle and rain becoming more widespread and heavier in the overnight. Most of the wintry precipitation expected to fall tomorrow morning, but it could linger some into the afternoon. We will see our skies quickly clear out tomorrow night as that system departs since it is a quick mover. Sunshine returns with some moderating temperatures as we head towards Sunday through Tuesday. No obviously big weather systems that expected to impact our region in the extended forecast. There is at least a slight chance of a mixed bag of precipitation with the small system right about Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the storm track. In our long-term forecast, that very good likelihood that Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be colder than normal Wednesday through the first eight days of March. And actually nearly the western two-thirds of the U.S. going to be colder than normal through that time period. In central Nebraska, early March daytime highs usually are on average in the mid to upper 40s with average overnight lows in the low 20s. Our precipitation forecast expects it to be fairly active, uh, mostly above normal precipitation Wednesday through March 8th. Looks like that more active period going to be the mid and late part of next week with that system moving in out of the southwest. Weather factors in the market include dryness leading to lower crop estimates in Argentina and continued rain in central Brazil. Over the next few days here in the U.S., heavy rain will maintain the flooding or worsen existing flooding from northeast Texas into the Ohio Valley. A snowstorm unfolding this weekend from the central plains into the upper Midwest. Only fractions of an inch in melted moisture expected to fall in the wheat areas from northern Kansas through Nebraska and northeast Colorado. Major Argentina crop areas will stay dry through this next week. That's leading to lower crop projections for both corn and soybeans. Across Brazil, wet conditions with below normal temperatures in Mato Grosso, causing more delays for the soybean harvest and planting of second crop corn. Cold weather spreading from Ukraine and Russia into Europe needs to be watched over the next few days. There's little snow cover to protect the wheat in Europe from the very cold air. And our ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Repair. Oh, I'm sorry, Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. Um, I'm looking at it, it. It's kind of entertaining to look at the National Weather Service charts and some of the ones that you know you deal with when you're looking at what we're going to put on the Facebook page because it's like making book in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, it, there's a 90% chance that we'll get less. There's a 10% chance we'll get more. So they kind of split the difference, and uh, it looks like people. 
uh, right along the Nebraska-Kansas border areas. Uh, you know, we, what we're dealing with here is a lot of diagonal action. Uh-huh. And anywhere from, what, less than one to four or five inches? Exactly, yeah. Most areas about two to five inches. Uh, a lot of us two to four. Yeah, lesser amounts as you do head farther to the south and east. And what's probably going to help in us not getting a whole lot of snow than we have with these previous snows is going to be a little bit warmer mm-hmm. so that snow won't be fluffing up you know, to about a four to five inch snow with very little moisture in it. This right. is going to be actually a fair amount of moisture, but it's going to be a quick mover. And then uh, it's actually going to be milder than we have been over the last several weeks. And not a lot of wind involved. With no, light north winds at about five to ten, just some slickery roads and uh, just going to have to deal with it probably late overnight into tomorrow morning and probably by tomorrow afternoon late it should be all done okay here on the air also with our app and our facebook and our twitter and just about everything you can imagine and when you need weather anytime krvn.com Packers increased the rate of processing steadily in 2018. Meat stocks are starting to pile up. A major poultry producer says woe to the organic food movement. And Nebraska Farm Bureau senior economist Jay Rempe shows just how important course is to Nebraska and Nebraska ag producers. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. F1 cattle and hog slaughters this week look to be at about 447,000 head for hogs and about 112,000 head for cattle. In comparison to a week ago, that's 3,000 fewer hogs and 1,000 less head of cattle that will be processed. But when you compare it to a year ago, for hogs, that's nearly 60,000 more than were processed a year ago. And for cattle, it's nearly 4,000 more head that were processed than a year ago. This trend of processing more and more livestock started in 2017 and has now continued into 2018, beating some analyst expectations. But it's not entirely clear how the Packers have been able to increase this production somewhat rapidly. And according to the latest cold storage reports, it's starting to create more meat supplies. The latest USDA frozen stocks report shows the total supplies of pork in commercial freezers rose to 567 million pounds in January, 16% above the previous month and 8% above the same time a year ago. Frozen beef stocks are up 2% and packing companies are due to produce more meat than they ever have in history, which analysts are saying will likely test the ability of consumers both domestically and abroad to consume the extra supply. Speaking of consumers, in a world tethered together by technology, consumers want to know more about where their food and fiber comes from. The yearn to know more has also caused consumers, in some cases, to shift their preferences to buzzwords like organic and all-natural. CEO of chicken giant Pilgrim's Pride, Bill Lovett, says food companies already have a momentous task in feeding a growing world, and consumers should recognize that going organic won't get them there. Lovett went on to tout the poultry processor's investments in organic production, but he did hasten to say the land will nevertheless constrain how far this organic shift can go. Organic is not practical, it's not sustainable as well, and we have to do a better job of talking to consumers and convincing them our food production must change if we're going to feed a growing global population. As the Olympics wind down in South Korea, Nebraska Farm Bureau gives out medals to the top counties in Nebraska for their part in CORUS, or the South Korean-U.S. Free Trade Agreement. Nebraska Farm Bureau senior economist Jay Rempe discusses who the top Korean export counties are in Nebraska and just how much they export in a year's time. In keeping in the Olympic theme, we're going to award the Cumming County the gold medal because it, it came out on top about uh, $12.5 million dollars. Custer County gets the silver. It, uh, it's just barely a nick behind uh, Cumming County. 
with 12.4 million, and then Holt County gets the bronze at, at uh, 11 and a half million. But obviously, these are are livestock heavy counties in, in terms of their beef production and pork production, and so they're right to the top in that regard. Other counties above nine million uh, included Platte, Lincoln. Uh, Dawson and Cherry counties all all came in uh, between nine and ten million dollars. In total, there are about thirteen counties that uh, greater than five million dollars uh, of export value that South Korea provided to those counties. Another point that Rempe points out in his report is the fact that Chorus has grown more than fifty two percent to three hundred and ten million dollars a year exported annually to South Korea since the inception of the Chorus Trade Agreement in twenty twelve. You can read and listen to the full report from Nebraska Farm Bureau on Chorus, including just how much value Chorus returns to Nebraska ag producers at RuralRadio.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. A check of the extended forecast and more, all with the Nebraska Extension climatologist Al Dutcher on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. And Al, as we take a look towards the weekend and even into the first part of next week, we've got heavy moisture in the forecast and more winter-like conditions. Tell us more and what are you seeing? We, we have this frontal boundary that's going to be moving into the region. We should start to see the precipitation break out uh, in the post-midnight on a time frame, particularly uh, moving from northwest to southeast across the state. Uh, right now, quantitative precipitation forecasts have backed off slightly over the last couple runs, but they are still indicating a core area of a moderate to heavy snowfall in northeastern Nebraska. They backed off on some of the totals in central to southwestern Nebraska, but we're still looking at a moderate event, probably in that three to five inch range. Where the real question lies is as you get into southeast Nebraska and how quickly we will change over to snow depending on how quickly the cold air moves in. We could see along the I-80 corridor several inches of snow. Uh, We could also see a mess of snow, ice, freezing drizzle, just like we've been gone going for this last week with these storm systems that moved through. So this is a real mess, but more importantly, as the system pulls to the east, once again, we're going to see exceptional precipitation from essentially southeastern Oklahoma, northeastward through the southern half of Indiana, Ohio, and then points to the south, particularly uh, the areas of Tennessee and western Kentucky, upwards of another additional five to six more inches over this uh, six-day period, six, seven-day period. On top of what they've already had we're, with frozen ground uh, to the north of there, we're looking at a real mess and continued floodiness situation. So from a, from a standpoint of missing that heavy precipitation, I think we're very fortunate. Unfortunately, the system as it pulls out is not going to give the precipitation into the southwestern uh, portions of the winter wheat belt. That's a Texas panhandle, southwestern portions of Kansas. That region is going to once again miss out on this. But more importantly, as the system pulls through, we'll start to see a a broad warm-up. We have some wild air moving in. So the recovery on Sunday may be tempered somewhat by the depth of the new snow, particularly in the northern half of the state. But as we go into Monday, it does look like we're going to return to at least above normal temperatures for one day. But yet another system moves across the northern plains. That doesn't look like it's going to impact us with precipitation, but we'll see a little cool down back to more normal temperatures, lower to mid-40s for highs. 
and then another wave is poised to come across the region as we get into the Thursday time frame. Right now, it does not appear that there's going to be a lot of cold air with this, so the question becomes, will this be primarily a rain event or will it be a mixture event? The GFS right now is the oddball out on that forecast, indicating a mixture of precipitation, but primarily it looks like it's going to impact more of the eastern one-third of the state than it is the western two-thirds of the state. And then the models diverge completely compared to what they've been running the last few days. They were indicating a very stormy pattern for next weekend with a couple potential systems the following week. This morning's runs, they've backed off significantly from that. They do bring the storm activity in, but at a much later time frame. We're in a a little bit stormier pattern right now. We need to make hay while the sun shines, so to speak. Uh, The southern Rocky Mountains need to be the beneficiary of some of these big systems to get that snowpack up. But overall, this looks like a typical late end of the winter where we're going to be flipping back and forth between very warm, very cold temperatures. That means uh, increased tendency for storm activity. That again, Nebraska Extension climatologist Al Dutcher talking to us about the extended forecast and what we could see for moisture as well as winter, maybe continuing a little longer. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Nebraska baseball team dropped one to second ranked Oregon State yesterday, 9-1 to in the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge. Tonight, the Huskers look to bounce back at 6 against Utah. Nebraska is scheduled to take on Oregon State again tomorrow afternoon out in Arizona. Kate Cade produced one of the best rebounding efforts in school history while producing her fifth double-double of the season to help power Nebraska to a 59-51 win over Penn State last night. Kane pulled down 20 rebounds to help the Huskers pick up their 20th victory of the year. And Coach Amy Williams says a lot of different factors went into this one. I, and I thought Penn State, uh, who has played um, a lot more kind of mixing their defenses, a lot more zone defense came in and just really pressured us up man-to-man and um, kind of got us out of sync a little bit offensively. We did not shoot the ball very well. It wasn't our best offensive performance, but I thought defensively we were locked into our game plan and we found ways to rebound, and that's uh, why we secured a win. Nebraska is now 20-8 and overall, 11-4 and in the Big Ten. They'll wrap up the regular season on Sunday with a big game against Maryland. Carney and UNK is once again hosting the NSAA State High School Wrestling Duels tomorrow. Quarterfinals for Classes B and C start at 9 a.m. with quarterfinals for Classes A and D at 10.30. The finals are slated for 5.30. And Pittsburgh State is the host spot for this weekend's MIAA Indoor Track and Field Championships. Those start this afternoon. Don Leahy, the retired athletic director of the University of Nebraska at Omaha and Creighton, has died after a long bout with cancer and other health issues. He was 88. His family made that announcement today. Leahy was UNO's athletic director from 1974 to 1985 and again from 1994 to 97. He was the driving force behind the Mavericks starting a Division I hockey program in 1997. He was also Creighton's athletic director from 1985 to 1990. And Germany will play the Russians for the gold medal in men's hockey. Germany upset two-time defending champion Canada 4-3 in the semifinals, while the Russian players shut out the Czech Republic 3-0. This will be Russia's first trip to the gold medal game since 1998. Canada's loss comes a day after the Canadian women's team was upset by the U.S. and that gold medal game. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
a chance for freezing drizzle or light snow early tonight in western Nebraska, then occasional snow after midnight in the west and central. Also a chance of freezing drizzle or freezing rain after midnight from south central through southeast Nebraska. I'm Dave Schroeder with a check of news, a bill intended to improve legislative performance audits of the state's tax incentive programs was amended and advanced to final reading yesterday. LB 936 was introduced by Legislative Performance Audit Committee. Senator Steve Erdman of Baird urged his colleagues to make good use of the audits and to consider reining in tax incentives that the state is giving away. And when we give away $2 billion in tax incentives every year, thinking we're helping the economy, we're bringing businesses here, we're creating jobs, and the Nebraska Advantage Act spends hundreds of thousands of dollars for every $40,000 job they create, doesn't make a lot of sense. Among other changes, the bill would extend from three to five the number of years between audit reviews of tax incentive programs. The bill also would require that audits analyze the cost per full-time worker and whether job growth in businesses receiving tax incentives is at least 10% above industry average. A new ordinance taking effect in Lincoln in April bans corrugated cardboard from the city's landfill. The city also will ban yard waste, tires, and vehicle batteries and appliances from the landfill during the spring and summer. The ban was passed last year by the Lincoln City Council. The landfill ban will require residents and businesses to recycle corrugated cardboard either by using one of the city's garbage haulers or a recycling company or by taking cardboard to one of 28 free public recycling sites. It also requires garbage collectors to offer curbside recycling services. Mayor Chris Beitler says the city isn't going to fine offenders right away. He says garbage collectors may charge additional fees for receiving recyclable cardboard. Kansas lawmakers have advanced a bill that would allow industrial chicken farms to house more birds closer to homes and communities despite a public outcry last year over a proposed Tyson Foods chicken plant. Senators on Thursday passed the bill that would increase the number of chickens a producer could have in a concentrated area by changing the formula for determining the number of birds allowed. Support for the bill was driven by lawmakers wanting to bring large-scale poultry producers and the jobs that come with them. Opponents argue the facilities harm the environment and communities. The bill comes after residents in northeast Kansas counties successfully beat back a plan that Tyson proposed to build a $320 million facility processing more than a million birds weekly in Tonganoxie. Put our app on your phone and listen to podcasts and on-demand audio on your schedule. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. So what's it really like to the South? Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Don Rose is with U.S. Commodities and has spent the last couple of months in the Southern Hemisphere as he talked to me from Paraguay first about the rains that have been moving through Brazil. You know, exactly. In fact, you know, the Argentina farmers, uh, you know, kind of like you do in uh, Iowa or Nebraska, you watch Illinois and some of these other uh, states. Same thing with Argentina. They're watching very close what happens with Paraguay, what happens with Brazil, because that's their big competition. But, uh, you know, really, if you look at the whole climate situation uh, in northern Brazil, it's actually too wet. Central Brazil is wet. 
And as you move into southern Brazil, it starts to get drier. And into Paraguay, you know, it's uh, still moist but a little bit drier. And then it just gets dry into Argentina. But uh, the the Brazilian crop right now, from what uh, we can pick up down here, it looks like it could be a record on soybeans again. Remember last year, Brazil had a record uh, supply of 114.1 metric tons. And a lot of producers, at least in Argentina, southern Brazil, have been in. Uh, talk in terms of a 115 to 116 million metric ton crop, but their corn crop last year was 95 million metric tons, and uh, because of lower acres, uh, you know, and maybe some planting delays because too wet, maybe think that could be a 90, 91 million metric ton crop. But you know, the bean crop in Brazil has a chance to make up a, a percentage of the loss that we have in the bean crop in Argentina. So curious from a from a producer out there that hears us talking about the weather in, in Central America, Argentina, Chile, Paraguay. What does that mean to them? How can they take this information in? What they hear the commodity brokers, what they're reading about, and be able then to to market their own grain here in the U.S. Well, you know, I think one thing you learn about uh, the producers around the world are all uh, kind of similar. There's a lot of information travels pretty fast around the world and. You know, from a risk management standpoint, I would say the producers in the U.S. probably uh, do a little better job using some of the marketing tools that we have, the uh, options, the futures market, uh, some of these uh, different types of contracts that we have in the U.S. But, you know, right now, Susan, for a producer standpoint in the U.S., uh, uh, you know, being able to buy 1040 puts, sell 1180 calls is really a strategy to lock in a pretty good profit zone Remember last year we went into just over the 1040 mark on the board. So we've got a lot of risk premium dialed into the market already. And, uh, you know, we're not certain what the uh, crop size is going to be in South America, but it does look like the, uh, the acre potential in the U.S. Uh, soybeans could be over the corn. So, uh, we think there's some marketing opportunities right here on soybeans. Uh, remember, this market's as good as the next weather forecast, and these things can change pretty fast. La Nina is still very much intact, and um, you know that's really is the driving force. You know, I don't think it matters what side of the America you're on, north or south. All farmers think the same when they're looking at their crops, when they're sitting there, their morning coffee, looking at the weather maps, looking at the marketings. We all deal with it in the same way. You know, that's true. And I mean, you really see it when, uh, you know, you get into, it's a great reminder when you see the producers in the uh, Argentine area, Paraguay area, with a crop that maybe isn't as big as they think, and they're not sure if they should be selling ahead because they're not sure what they're going to have. And so it's it's very much the same. And um, I just remind people, you know, that uh, the U.S. raises over 4 billion bushel uh, uh, soybean crop, and Argentina alone raises over a two billion bushel soybean crop and uh, Brazil raises over four billion bushel crops. So it just tells you that South America, Argentina, and Brazil is really a powerhouse and they're ones that uh, are watched probably around the world as close or closer than the U.S. production. Well, you know, I had a producer that asked me the other day, Don, if if producers in South America closely watch U.S. weather patterns during our growing season as much as we watch theirs. You know, I think they really do, and I think the thing very much like we have in the U.S., it's hard to get real accurate uh, information on weather and even the production cycle unless you're really on the ground. 
and I would say that's uh, very much in South America. You know, they're very curious on what's going on from real people talk on the ground. And uh, so from that standpoint, it's very similar. Uh, like right now, for example, you know, a lot of people in the U.S. are talking what the conditions are in Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina. But it's hard to get real on-the-ground information, real accurate information. I'd say that's very much the same in uh, in the in the, the U.S. and uh, Argentina and Brazil when they look at our growing cycle. Anything else, Don, that you would like to share with, with the listeners back here in the States? Well, you know, I think one thing, I did travel all the way from uh, the north to the south into uh, the Antarctic even, and then back up again. You know, Antarctic, of course, there's not a lot of agriculture there, so I took a little brief uh, spit off of that. But it really is a warming condition down there. It even rained in uh, the Antarctic, which was very unusual, in fact, uh, for this time of year, uh, any time of year. So it looks like warming is continuing uh, with the La Nina as far down as that area also. That is my conversation with Don Rose of U.S. Commodities talking to me from Paraguay. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Now let's get a review of the livestock futures trade with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, kind of a quiet day in the cattle uh, complex. Uh, we're going to finish mixed. In the uh, live cattle, we're going to finish a little bit lower in the front end, a little higher in the back end. And in the feeders, we're going to finish a little bit higher in the front end and a little lower in the back end. But uh, we do have a cattle on feed report at 2 o'clock, and uh, that, uh, I think, kept the uh, trade pretty quiet. We traded both sides of unchanged uh, back and forth all day long, and I think all eyes will go back to that cattle on feed report. Didn't see much uh, evidence of uh, trading uh, due to the uh, uh, report yesterday, the cold storage report. Uh, Didn't seem to uh, make any difference very quiet trade uh, that I heard was still at 128 today, so uh, that kept things quiet also. Uh, Over in the hogs, uh, choppy day there, too. Uh, We're going to finish mixed. A little higher in the front end, a little lower in the back end. Uh, So, all in all, really, really quiet day uh, in livestock futures. The uh, cutouts in the cattle were uh, a little bit lower on the choice, and uh, but it has no effect, really, on, on the uh, entire trade for the day. Same for the hogs. Uh, up just a little bit doesn't make any difference. Uh, so uh, we kind of limp out for the weekend, and uh, we'll look at the cattle on feed report out at 2 o'clock. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter for the week through Saturday, estimated at 572,000. Compare that with the holiday-shortened week a year ago, 2,000 less. Hog slaughter, 2,373,000, 107,000 more than a year ago. Hello from Cattleman's Classic. I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. Dave Bailey joins us now. We're going to talk about BRAG. And really, you can brag about these kids, but the, it is an acronym for, for a great project that you have here in Buffalo County. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for inquiring about this. Uh, we're super excited about this. Um, obviously, our future in ag is with our young people, and young people today have so many different opportunities. We're thrilled for the ones that are having an interest in ag, and so what we're trying to do is cultivate that experience when they're younger, help them grow that experience, and develop some young leaders for the future. So what does BRAG stand for? 
Big Red Ag Growers, and this is our third class that we've had. Uh, this is a partnership that we have with some uh, um, industry uh, sponsors that we have, some different groups that uh, have kicked in some money, but we also have a great partnership with uh, UNL. Uh, the CASNR the, at University of Nebraska has uh, kicked in some nice uh, funding to help kickstart this program, and uh, while it's regional at this point, we do have uh, goals and hopes that this is going to go statewide uh, at some point, so we're excited about it you know it's kind of funny dave because nebraska has had this uh, and i'm going to kind of describe brag for our listeners to lead for juniors for, for younger kids these are these are kids that are still in high school many of them and nebraska lead started out as a very small program it grew now it's nationwide i'm sure down the road you would love to see brag in some form expand to other states oh absolutely it would be a, a great investment i think for our future um part of my job that i have in my daytime job is uh, economic development and, and community development and we have so many kids that uh, like when i grew up uh, my on a farm in, in minnesota my family said you know there's no future here go elsewhere and find it well you can only do that so long before your rural communities die and so we need to make that investment in these kids and, and it's a great opportunity for them to learn about agriculture learn about leadership skills and become advocates for agriculture you know, I saw the kids that were here just, just two days ago, and a nice group of kids really learning more about agriculture, and they were very attentive and watching and, and hearing what the, the leaders and the experts in the industry were telling them. Yes. Uh, this is a year-long experience for these kids, and uh, on Tuesday, we had uh, the, the group here at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic, and we're focusing on our beef day. And so the kids had a chance to see everything from uh, uh, conception of uh, of the egg, whether it's with uh, artificial insemination or with embryos, all the way to the end product with uh, UNL's meat lab. Uh, they had a chance to go in and see a, a Piedmontese uh, steer hanging in the cooler there with the cuts of meats, the, how the animal grades out, the different products, the different uh, goals with the different uh, uh, cattle that we have out there in Nebraska. So it was great for these kids to learn as much as they could about the beef industry. So what is the process for somebody to become part of the next Bragg class that lives within this area of Buffalo County? Yes, this is a Buffalo County thing, and it, it's not geared towards any one school or 4-H or FFA. It's for any kid that has an interest in learning more about agriculture. So they submit an application. Uh, uh, applications come out early in the fall, and uh, we review those, and we select our class uh, generally in October. And uh, we kick off the, the year in November, and uh, the kids get a lot of different experiences. As I mentioned, we did Beef Day uh, this week. We've uh, done a tour out west to Scotts Bluff with this class. They had a chance to see some uh, unique agriculture opportunities there. We're planning one to northeast uh, Nebraska to see some uh, different product projects up there. My conversation with Dave Bailey as we talk about the Bragg program here in Buffalo County. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Pretty quiet in the grain markets today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we finish mixed in corn and wheat and higher in soybeans. And with us to tell us more, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. With that corn-soybean ratio 2.6 to 1, uh, that was positive for soybeans and it apparent, apparently it's carrying over today. Yeah, I mean, we're right where we were a year ago. So the front month prices, I think, are a little more skewed towards the beans, obviously, with a you know inverted market March over uh, over November, where 
in uh, in the cornea of the big carry. But you know, the beans and acreage is going to be it's going to be tough. And I, in a way, I almost think that the fight now is not so much between corn and beans. I think it's between uh, beans and cotton in the South. Uh, got a lot of guys I work with down in Alabama, uh, Georgia time or Georgia area, and those specific farmers down there are going to battle about what to plant and. Uh, heard them vacillate back and forth between cotton and, and beans here. With be- the, bo- the run-up we've seen in beans, it's certainly a little easier crop to handle, a lot less stress as far as having to work and, and, and deal with it, what's in the field. Um, but profit potential and insurability kind of lies on the cotton side. But with these rallies we've seen, I think you're just going to bring more bean acres into it. Uh, the ag form numbers we saw this morning certainly would encourage that. I, I think the exports kind of caught a lot of people off guard, uh, you know, seeing a $200 million increase from this year, uh, which would be very friendly for the bulls, and uh, puts that carry out well below where we thought it was going to be. Let's uh, move over to corn and um, pricing December corn right now. Is there anything that uh, should be done? Uh, I, I think prudent risk management calls for maybe a sale or two if, you've, if you know you, you want to get caught up. But I, I think you got to be aggressive here. I, I would not be settling for you know three fifty five cash price, which I think I'm thinking is probably what you guys are getting offered out there. You know, acreage in my opinion is high. I met a dinner last night with some guys from Informa, and they thought you know the numbers that they posted really had very little reflection for what they're seeing. Uh, Spring wheat acres especially. And I think a lot of the acres that went to corn last year in the north part, north of Nebraska, is going to be going into beans, or I'm sorry, uh, spring wheat rather. So uh, that is something I think that, you know, I would be bullish on, one, the acres, and then two, we still got to grow it. And I, I just look at the carryout. I think there's an easy story to get us below 2 billion bushels. And at that point, you're looking at a run-up in the summer that will give you some opportunity. Now, if you're a betting man that you're never going to see any weather problems and that we're not going to have any hiccups with production, I think this is a fine price to sell, maybe below it a year from now. But I think we're going to have a rally this summer, sometime later this spring, that you'll have a chance to rally into. A lot happening before then, that's for sure. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network.